Morning, everyone. Monday, the 23rd of May, back for another big week. Henry, what did we miss over the weekend? Well, hi, Ben. What we missed over the weekend, I guess, on the Facebook, was not a lot when you look at the scores on the doors, but underneath, as usual, the little ducky was paddling away quite furiously. The Dow Jones closed up nine points, but at one stage, it was down 617 points, which put it back into an official bear market before a late rally saved some blushes. The Nasdaq was down only 34, similar situation there, and the S&P. P500 closed up one, so pretty much unchanged. But we did see some moves in commodities. Brent crude was up 0.8, gold up a smidge as well, up 0.2 of a percent. Base metals not doing very much apart from lead, but iron ore prices are better, and there is a focus today on iron ore stocks. And Marcus will talk more about those as China cut its rates on Friday. But generally, I guess the, the topic of conversation was the federal election on Saturday, and uh, markets have taken that very much in their stride this morning uh, with the slight positive bias, I guess, because nothing really was put to the electorate in terms of financial matters, unlike last year. So a slight positive bias to the markets, but cautious, I think, remains the watchword. Very good. Thank you, Henry. Tom, how is that all flowing in today? Thank you, Ben. Well, the ASX 200 is off to a better start ahead of what the futures had indicated, and that was before the election result. And there's been a bit of chatter in the news wires about the influence that's having on the market. But as we talked about last week, it's all about the clarity and certainty that that's provided. And there's one little fact that I saw this morning, the All Ords has risen in the 15 trading days following every federal election since 1998. So whether that's due to clarity or history and everyone doing the same thing, the miners and property stocks, the most improved tech and healthcare slipping into negative territory. Elders is up 7.5% as half-year profit beat consensus. Chemicals and fertilizer business, Incitec pivot, IPL, is jumping 4% on news of a restructure and record half-year results. And Borrell is up a touch on speculation. It's going to cut hundreds of jobs before June 30. Thank you, Ben. Very good. Thank you, Tom Layden. Anything interesting coming out of the brokers this morning? Thank you, Ben. I'm having a look at IGO this morning. UBS has upgraded them to a buy following the recent share price retreat and an announcement of consistent first production of battery-grade lithium hydroxide. UBS says that this is a key de-risking event for the TLEA joint venture and the target price is $12.15 which only implies about a 4% upside there and also looking at BWX management provided an update for long-term earnings margin guidance which was 22% ahead of consensus estimates and the brokers are all bullish there we've got buy recommendations from City and UBS and an outperform recommendation from Macquarie the average target price is $2.57 which implies a 90% upside. Thank you, Ben. Good stuff. Thank you, Leighton. Christopher, what are you doing in trading this morning? Thank you, Benjamins. First up, we'll just talk about, Tom's already covered it quite nicely, Elders and IPL. Both of those stocks are part of my agriculture theme trade. And we see headlines over the weekend, world has 10 weeks of wheat supplies left in storage. So it's still a pertinent and hot theme at the moment. There's been headlines in the past about fertilizer shortages, obviously rising transport costs, all feeding into good results for Elders and IPL today. And as I say, they're both part of my agriculture theme trade. So nice to see them both doing pretty well. Chart of the day this morning is Brain Chip. It is quite an interesting chart though. And I think the chart tells a story and often charts tell the story of these type of stocks that are at the more speculative end of the market. It was very much a market darling there for a while. It rallied hard into two bucks. And then since about the start of the year, traded back in a long sort of downtrend, a long downtrend back to sub $1. But just in the last couple of weeks, it's 
started to come to life again. It's trading around $1.17, or at least it was as of the close on Friday. It's formed a rounding base pattern, and it just looks as though after a long consolidation period, it's about to really take off. And that's because uh, we've seen the price action turn higher and the volumes more importantly as well. Very important when you're looking at these speculative stocks, more and more people interested in it when the volume is going up. And that's what we see now. So we see a rising price and rising volume and the end of this rounding base pattern. If we can just break that 123 neckline, $1.23, then this one could be off to the races. So nice little chart set up there. Interesting things to keep an eye out for as always, Chris. Thank you. Henry, back to you for Henry's take today. What are you writing about? In Henry's take today, just the normal Monday stuff in terms of the uh, US check-in just on the, the fear and greeds and the GDP now. Also looking today, I guess, at the impacts of the election, which seem to be pretty minimal for the market. And I'm sure Marcus will talk more about those. And just some links in today about Ask the Analyst, which was a really good session on Friday night and the uh, recording there and doing the call today with Koshi and other 10 stocks and no ETFs, which is always lovely. Very nice, short and sweet. Thank you, Henry. Marcus, back with us this morning. What are you up to today? Yes, thanks, Ben. Uh, Henry, who are you doing the call with, uh, with Koshi? I am doing the call with Koshi. I think it's going to be either Gareth Sodi or Mathan. One of them's dropped out with flu. But yes, someone's got the flu, so I've stepped in. So I've got 10 stocks to look at in the next 20 minutes to try and work out whether I am like them or not. Uh, right. Thanks, Ben. Yes, I am. Uh, I have listed in the strategy section today signs of the top, things we would be watching to try and assess when the bottom is going to come, which is clearly not yet. There are some signs of our market bottoming a little bit. There was a daily RSI buy signal the other day. So that's one of the things we'd be watching is market charts. But mostly, I think the NASDAQ, if, you'll, if you look at the strategy piece, you'll see the NASDAQ is in free fall still, little bounces, but absolutely no sign of a bottom there at all. The other issue I think for Australia would be sector charts. You don't really look at the market chart in Australia because there are two very large diverse sectors, banks and resources, and they do separate things. There is some signs of a bottoming in resources. We'll get that to that later. The other indicators I'd be watching are a sharp improvement in the VIX volatility index, which hasn't happened yet. Also, the Aussie dollar, which is a bit of a barometer of the currency market markets views about growth prospects that is bottoming a little bit which is slightly positive and bond yields although they are coming off the top it used to be a great indicator for the market when bond yields went up on inflation paranoia the market went down now bond yields are going down on growth concerns and the market's going down so bond yield indicates a little bit confused at the moment the other thing i would watch as a bit of a laugh is coin which has a remarkable correlation with the nasdaq and as such acts as a quasi quasi barometer of market sentiment. I wouldn't pay too much attention, but uh, there's no sign of that resurrecting itself yet. So for now, the trend has yet to materialize. Are we in a big downtrend or are we seeing a great buying opportunity? I'm more inclined to think we're building towards the latter, but there's no need to guess. And quite honestly, anyone's opinion, including ours, doesn't really matter at this point. You don't have to guess ahead of time when the bottom will come. All you need to do is check daily for the evidence of some sort of technical bottom and run with the bounces until they 
end, which is trading. And if they don't end, well, you can claim you caught the big low and turn your trades into investments. So again, reacting, not predicting at this point. And there's no reason at this point to predict a market bottom with the current trends. The one thing that is rather interesting at the moment is the COVID curve on mainland China, which has shown the typical profile of a breakout. And they are coming down the other side now. Cases are diminishing quite rapidly. You can see as well the chart, Tom put this in, of the Chinese market. It does appear to have bottomed at 7.5% off the bottom. There's been a couple of technical buy signals. But there is some relief in China, which is good for our resources and throws up the question whether we should be buying resources. Other things, the US strategists are downgrading GDP numbers and market forecasts, as you'll see in our pre-market six US strategists slash their year-end calls for the S&P 500. And the gap between the highest and lowest sits at 37%. In other words, nobody knows. And the big gap in guesswork means we are in a period of uncertainty, as if we didn't know that. The US has GDP numbers on Thursday. will be interesting seeing as growth is a feature at the moment or a driver at the moment. We also have the election result not moving the stock market. We also see this morning the CBA, perhaps the first economist off the rank, saying that whilst there may be some changes to aged care, childcare, housing and health, and a focus on climate change, these areas do not shift the dial for our economic forecast. And that would probably sum up the election impact on the market. It hasn't really or is unlikely to have one and hasn't really this morning had an impact at all. And lastly, JP Morgan has talked about the possibility that balanced mutual funds have to buy 34 to $56 billion of equities by the end of May. In other words, we could see a good end of the month. We will see if that helps the bottoming. I think the summary there would be waiting for some signs that the market is technically bottoming, but haven't got there yet. Great stuff. As always, Marcus, and as you mentioned, you do have an idea of the day in there as the iron ore stocks. And that is our question of the day. Are you buying iron ore stocks? I might throw straight back to you, Marcus, if you've got anything more to add to that before I ask the rest of the team. The obvious reason to say that is because of the bounce in iron ore and the Chinese economic prospects, the statements from the Chinese over the weekend or on Friday in particular, that they would cut the mortgage rates, mortgage reference rate. Property sector has dragged China down and they are trying to help in that department. That was taken quite well. You do also have COVID cases coming off, got the iron ore price having a bit of a bounce on Friday. A bit disappointed by the follow through today, BHP up 1%, Rio up 0.7%. So I know some of you who have an impatience and a higher bet profile have a few excuses here to have a go at resources stocks. But I think when the buying comes in the whole market, there's no rush. There is nothing really compelling about or expecting a sharp trade to the upside in resources. So take your time for investors. I'd still be watching the market and resources, not getting too optimistic yet. Very good. All right, rest of the team. Layden? Yeah, as Marcus was saying, the narrative over in China seems to have well, be starting to change. So that's obviously a good sign. And it, they are trading off the top a little bit. So I think it's not a bad time to be looking at buying. Very good. Tom? The same points as Marcus. The uh, scene in China is looking a lot better. Iron ore has held up relatively well given all of the lockdowns. So what that told me is that the market is looking through that as a temporary issue. And Leighton's talking about they've come off the top a little bit. Iron ore is holding up. Stimulus out of China. A couple of good tailwinds for them. Okay. Tom, Henry? Well, as you probably know, I'm a bit of a resources fan. have got quite a few lithium stocks in the small cap portfolio. 
Lithgow and also Mount Gibson as well. The great thing about this resource boom, and let's be under no illusions, we are in the middle of a resource boom, I think, in Australia still, is that the Aussie dollar is 70 cents. Now, last time we saw iron ore going through the roof, and iron ore is not going through the roof here, obviously, at the moment because of China. But the last time we saw a, a resource boom, the Aussie dollar was $1.10. Now, 70 cents is a very, very low level for a country that is based in commodities. And if you extract the Aussie dollar from that and put it into iron ore and Aussie dollar terms, it's a pretty elevated price. These guys are making off like bandits at the moment. Coal prices, oil prices, iron ore prices in Aussie dollars, other commodities as well. We are doing pretty well on the resource front. So I've been long it for a while. You look at lithium, Quarry put yet another report out today for lithium. And that was quite stunning, I've got to say, putting in the spot price to uh, Pilbara. They came up with a $14 valuation. Now that's just clearly, as they say in the castle, dreaming. But uh, even so, it just shows the leverage that some of the lithium stocks and I guess some of the iron ore stocks and some of the other resource stocks have got to these high spot prices that we're seeing. I know they've come off, but certainly for me, resources are still the place to be, especially in an inflationary environment. And the Aussie dollar at 70 cents, it should be higher than that, let's face it. Um, but it's not because of the strength of the US, because people are flying to quality and safe havens, and that's dragging money into the US dollar. But yeah, as far as iron ore stocks go, I am long Mount Gibson, only a small amount. I took some profits earlier. Worth mentioning as well, Henry, that from the point of view in the resources boom, the reason it went off like Billio was because if the resources sector, people get optimistic globally about resources, they come to Australia and Canada to buy shares. And what they get is a commodity currency, the Aussie dollar, which goes up if commodity prices go up and they buy the shares. So with a low Aussie dollar, the uh, share stocks like BHP and Rio and Fortescue are cheap from a US point of view. And if they buy them and get it right, they get a currency kicker and they get the share price kicker. And that's why our resources sector was driven in 2005. I remember going to New York and I have a friend in Brooklyn who is a Citibank banker. And when I went over there in 2005, he was talking about Fortescue Metals as if he knew it. And I went back again in 2000 and whatever it was, 15. And he, he said, oh, no, 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 that was so that I don't know anything about them now. That was so 2005. And the point being is that we come onto the radar internationally when commodities rally and it's and the currency gives us a kicker as well as the share prices. And at the moment, we're actually in a good position for overseas investors to take an interest with a low Aussie dollars. So yes, Aussie dollar, very important to our um, resources share prices. Yep, I think that wraps it up pretty well. Inflation, Aussie dollar, on the big picture, macro level down, resources remain one of the better places, in my opinion. So don't say why not. I think that wraps us all up today. Thanks guys, full team on today. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.